This episode of the OP Radio Podcast sponsored by HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12OP. Use the code 12OP for 12 free meals, including free shipping. And all that info is in the description of this episode. Oh my goodness, I forgot my coffee. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Doggy, let's go get my coffee. Come on, let's get our coffee. song give us a call on your home of rock and roll sorry about that i forgot my coffee coffee and doggy in the morning pew 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 what's going on everybody welcome i did lewis uh shans i checked out nobody told me there'd be days like these by uh by john lennon that song is a little wordy but it works for john lennon because you know he was a genius but then if you're a schmuck like me trying to sing along, it's like, nobody told me there'd be days like these. Oh, nice. All right, Chad. Chad's checking in from uh, Sue's Falls. Sue's Falls with that S-I-O-U-X. Never understood why that says Sue's Falls. Joe Rizzo with the words heard. Oh, words heard. Get your words heard t-shirts at opradio.com. Make sure you read the fine print, by the way. That confuses people when uh, they see that shirt for sale. Opie, uh, some photos of your garden on Instagram, please. Well, I could do that, but my phone's busted. This is how lazy I am. My my phone is busted. Uh, there's a hole right where the camera is. That's where it fell on the floor. So that's why I haven't posted to Instagram, because I'm too lazy to go to the AT&T store and get the brand new phone. Um, so if I did post the pictures of my little garden in front of me, you know, the pictures wouldn't come out well. All right. Here's my garden. I just made $5 from Detroit. And I'm going to take that $5 and I'm going to buy a house in Detroit. Thank you, Jim Harrington. Pat Duffy, that is the saddest garden I've ever seen, LOL. Look, I, I live... I pretty much live most of the year at this point at the ocean where it's all sand, okay? So let, logically, let me go through it now. What you saw was a, a rose bush that was dying because we did leave here for a few weeks. I just started watering it again, and it's coming back to life. Then it was peaches. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm distracted by the comments now. Or peach by Aerosmith. I would go. Uh, I would go peaches by uh, presidents of the United States of America. They did lump, right? She's lump. She's lump. She's in my hair. So you got the. I got the the rose bush. Then I got uh, an onion that was left on the counter after Thanksgiving, and uh, all of a sudden it just started growing. And then I put it in peaches pot, just placed it there on top, and the thing said thank you for life, and it rooted itself. So now I feel guilty, but it's bogarting the space of peaches, which is my apple tree, from a seed of an apple that my daughter was eating, 
and I decided to uh, see if I could grow an apple tree as a, as a thing during the pandemic. And now it's two and a half feet fucking high. And I don't know where to plant it because I live 500 feet off the ground in New York City. And you can't just plant an apple tree out here. So now I'm stuck with an apple tree growing inside my house. I guess I got another year before I got to figure out exactly what to do with it. I might, uh, I might plant it in Central Park. Like way, way out of the way. And then uh, maybe I'll visit it every once in a while. And then uh, a couple of potatoes that were also left on my my uh, counter started growing like crazy. So I just put them in a pot. But they're being taken over by a lot of mushrooms right now. I don't know. Uh, and, and not the good kind, I don't think. Opie's literally saying he has a tree in his house. I do have a tree. As, as long as it's not on my house, by the way. So then I got uh, I got some strawberry, uh, are they called bushes? Strawberry plants. I got to explain this to Pat Duffy, who's calling my, my garden sad. So we just can't plant vegetables outside the beach house. So I put them in uh, Tupperware containers just to see if they would seed, especially because uh, we planted uh, the seeds about a week, week and a half ago. And then we took off for the city again so the kids could do some of that in-person in learning. So now they're sprouting out of the Tupperware containers. Now I got to go to the plant store and figure out something that I could uh, transfer these these vegetables in so they grow properly. But right now they are sad. They're running out of room in the uh, in the Tupperware. But I got I got carrots. I got radishes. I got cucumbers. I got uh, beans. I got uh, peppers. What am I missing? Like it matters to you guys. I think that's about it. So now I got to try to figure out how to plant all this and, and put it out on the deck and see if uh, we could we could get get the whole thing to grow. Oh, and tomato plants, but those are downstairs under a grow light, man. And it's our little hobby, me and my my kids. So they're very very excited. All the uh, all the stuff we planted survived the ten days we weren't here. Because uh, what I did, if you need to know, I made little uh, greenhouses. I put plastic over the. Tupperware containers because the house was still getting pretty cold and I also needed to figure out how uh, to water the, 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 the seeds and the plants while I was gone. So I made little greenhouses and then the condensation was dripping onto the soil and voila, they got watered while I was gone. I'm a fucking genius. This is so stupid how slow my life has gotten and I like it this way. This old house with Greg Hughes, Footer K. I got him. So when we were living in Boston, who was the uh, the host of uh, this old house? The guy with the glasses and kind of the nerdy short hair. This is so random and weird. And I swear to you, this is probably something I haven't thought of in, oh my God, do I have to say over 20 years? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So me and Anthony put out a CD called Demented World that did very, very well uh, locally in Boston. And it actually started charting uh, across the country. And we did these ridiculous uh, CD signings. Some of them were like six to eight hours long, all day long. It was unbelievable. I told you the story where we went to, um, I think it was Springfield. I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to this old house in a second. But we go to Springfield to a mall. You know, we're going to do a CD signing on the weekend. And Springfield's a little far from Worcester and Boston. So we're not expecting much of a crowd out that far, you know? And all of a sudden, me and Anthony, uh, we walk into the mall. And all of a sudden, we're like, God, this mall's pretty crowded for, you know, a weekend, you know? 
And we start walking, and then we see this line, and we, we start thinking to ourselves, uh, who else is here? <laughs> that they're getting such a good line, and there's such a great crowd in this mall on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever it was. It was definitely the weekend. Long story short, as we're walking closer and closer to where we need to be, we see this line is just snaked all the way around the mall. And then they start cheering for me and Anthony. I'm like, holy shit, they're here for us. And we ended up signing CDs and taking pictures and signing posters for like eight straight hours. Um, the local TV station in Springfield came out to cover the event. It was it was one of the highlights of uh, doing radio up there at WAAF, the only station that really rocks. It was it was amazing. And then we had this guy that helped helped uh, us put out our uh, our CD, and he was selling posters of the CD cover. And that's when I knew me and Anthony was screwed. You got to remember, we were making no money, none. We were barely surviving in Boston, even though we had this hugely successful radio show. And then we thought we could make maybe some money off this CD, and it was selling a lot. It sold well over 100,000 copies. And uh, the guy from the record company, he also made T-shirts and posters of the, the CD cover. And while we're at this mall in Springfield, Massachusetts, signing our asses off for eight hours, this guy is counting poster money in the corner and putting the cash in his pocket. We never saw any of that money from the merch. And we, we were only allowed to uh, split 75 cents a disc. And the rest of the money went to some charity. Because the company, I guess, felt like we shouldn't make uh, money off our content. They weren't paying us. And they didn't want us to make money off uh, our CD. Reason 238 why I hate the business of radio. So anyway, we're at that. I think it was that signing. And all of a sudden, uh, the host of this old house is in front of us with his daughter. And now I'm kind of starstruck. I'm like, holy shit, that's the dude from this old house. And it turns out his daughter at the time, and man, she's got to be like 40 years old now. Uh, she was a huge fan of the Opie and Anthony show and came by the signing to get her Demanding World CD signed. And that's something I haven't thought of in over 20 years. Hi, AAF, who's this? Michelle. Hi, Michelle. You want to play Hi, Mom? Yes, I do. All right. I, I hear you want to play Hi, Mom. I'm in porno. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Now, where's your mom live? Montana. Well, what are you doing in Boston? I'm a nanny. You're a nanny. Cool. Yes. Maybe you could tell your mom you lost your job as a nanny and you had to make ends meet, so you uh, you jumped into porno. Okay. All right. I got your mom's number. I'm giving it a call right now. Okay. Nutrition Center. Hi. Can I speak to Jean, please? Is this Michelle? Yes, it is. It's important. Okay, hold on, hon. Uh-huh. Now play it up. Say you lost your job. You had no other choice. Okay. You were all alone. Hello? Mom? Yes? I have a problem. I lost my job. Why? Because I just wasn't doing it. I couldn't cope with it, you know. I thought you said it was going great. It was, but things just fell apart. I'm having a really hard time, so um, I didn't tell you sooner because I was too scared to, but um, and now I got a different job. But I'm doing, I don't know how to tell you this. What? I'm, do, I'm doing porn movies. No. Yes. No. Mom. No. What? No. It's, it's no. too late. No. Mom. No. Um, I'll, you, hold on. Uh, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy Jesus, I think she believes you. I'm shaking. Michelle? Yeah? 
where can I reach you? Um, I have I have like three days to get out of here. So you I you don't do that. What? Don't do what you told me. Well, what am I going to do? How am I going to get home? You don't have money in the bank. Well. Yeah, but I kind of had to use some of it to get this rolling. I had to get an agent. And no, you don't. Where Where can I call you? The same number, but Mom. What? There's something else I have to tell what? you. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. This is just a joke. <laughs> I'm on the radio. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a radio program. Oh. oh I just wanted to you? let you know that I love you. Oh, my God. I'm thinking about you. Mom. You know, I think those things are so funny when they happen to other people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would sit and listen to them all day long because they're so funny, but that, you killed me. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wait, Mom. Uh, wait, Mom. We're really nice. Okay, I am going to kill you. <laughs> I love wait, wait, you. wait, Mom. Mom, first kill us. It's Opie and Anthony from AF Radio in Boston. We're, oh, yeah. you guys. We're, this, we put her up to it, and, and <laughs> I got I to gotta admit, man, my heart sunk to my oh damn my kneecaps. Oh, my God. I felt so bad for you. I'm breaking out in a sweat here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, that is too bad. Happy okay. Mother's Day. Well, thank you. All right. All right, bye. bye. Oh, no. What do you say there, doggy? Oh, you want that, huh? I think I... Oh, you just ran over my... He stepped on my plant! You son of a bitch! Look what he did! He just ruined my plants! God, doggy! Sorry. Sounds like I'm losing my mind, I understand. But uh, these plants are very, very important to me and my kids. And Doggy just needed to get outside to see what he could do because there's dogs barking in the distance. So he decided he had to bark and check it out and stepped right on my plants. He basically said, this is what I think of your stupid plants. That hurt my soul, doggy. Yeah, holy shit, balls. I hope you're feeling it. He just took out uh, two or three plants with his big, dumb paw. And then I was trying to figure out if that's, uh, he might be extra excited because it might be my friend that lives a few houses down that has, uh, has a golden doodle and... Uh, that would be the dog that Doggy 69's with. Oh, no, it's funny. So uh, my dog got attacked again at the dog park. I forgot to tell you this story. Really aggressive dog. It was one of these rescue dogs. People are very responsible with their dogs at the dog park. And if one of the one, if a dog, you know, attacks, the owner is usually right on top of it and trying to take care of the situation. But this one dog would not leave mine alone. And, uh, Oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying this. I gotta be careful how I say this. But this is how people think. So an old guy comes up, turns out he's in his seventies because we end up talking. I wanna I wanna rip this guy's face off because the dog was really, really aggressive uh towards doggy and, and, and doggy was losing a little bit. You know, this this dog came from a shelter, so it doesn't fucking play, man. It fights dirty. Think prison yard. We get to talking, and the guy apologizes. He says that I, uh, he goes, I, uh, I'm, I'm watching my son's dog, and it's a rescue, and it's a little, uh, it's a little wild. So I really, really apologize, you know. But I'm not really used to the ways of the, of the dog park. I'm just trying to do him a favor, and uh, all of a sudden he goes, and I think he's gay. <laughs> Now, he 
he's 75 years old, you know, he's old school. And he didn't say it in a way like he was like, you know, like he was bothered by it. But what he noticed was what I've talked about on this live stream and certainly a lot of dog owners can relate to. You take a dog to a dog park, they're sniffing each other's butts and licking each other's private parts. And like I told you, this particular dog park, there's not a lot of females that go to this thing. And so I guess the guy was horrified because he sees this dog, his son's dog, you know, licking peepees. So he like, he leans into me because he doesn't want anyone else to hear it. And he goes, and I think, I think he's gay. And then I had to explain to him that that's just normal behavior at the dog park. Oh my God, I started laughing my ass off though. And then I think he quickly was like, you know, no, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but he certainly was a little bothered by what he was seeing. <laughs> and then, and then he tells me that uh, he had a beagle when he was married. He's now divorced. He's divorced for a while now. He told me. He goes, I gotta be honest with you. You know, uh, me and my wife married 25 years, grew apart, raised three kids, and. Uh, when it was over, we just kind of shook hands and went our own ways. And I was barely bothered by it. But man, that damn beagle of ours died and I cried like a baby. Apple Jacks. Imagine not white knighting a radio host. I don't know what uh, that means. I think the white knighting thing is really, really stupid. I think it's just fans that uh, defend and protect their guy. And then because you do that, then assholes from the other side will say you're white knighting. I think I think the whole <clears throat> excuse me the whole term white knighting is really really stupid because if you do anything in the public eye you got your people and your people are going to try to protect you so if they protect you and stand up for you um, then the, then people turn around and, and and call them white knights I, I've always found that term really really stupid and, and to be honest with you kind of douchey all right let's talk about HelloFresh go to hellofresh.com slash 12 opie Use the code 12OP for 12 free meals, including free shipping. I love meal kits. I'm using two of them, by the way, and they're owned by the same company. But right now, we're talking about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You skip the trips to the grocery store, and you can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. Quick, easy meals. And they give you all the ingredients. How it works, you get these recipe cards, right? And you pick what recipes you want. And they got a lot of variety of recipes. And then uh, the, the, the recipe is very easy to follow. All the ingredients are in a bag, ready to go, all pre-measured. And all you have to do is sit there and have fun doing a little cooking. And you get nice, tasty, quick meals from HelloFresh. Sorry I'm so excited, but I literally get a meal kit at this point every other week. This is what you really need to know. Get better value. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I said, ain't that the truth? <laughs> All right, enough of my nonsense. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12OP. Use the code 12OP for 12 free meals, 
including free shipping. Once again, that's go to HelloFresh.com slash 12OP. Use the code 12OP for 12 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, and we thank them for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What company treated you the best? Wow. It was really problematic from, from beginning to end. Radio is just a terrible business. AAF kept us down. We were beating BCN in Afternoon Drive, which should be worth a lot of money. Uh, the guy we were beating, um, he uh, he was making something like a half million dollars a, a year. Mark Pereno and me and Anthony were splitting less than a hundred. They just always try to keep you down. That's why I blew it up in Boston so we could get to New York with the mayor's prank. Because at that point, I'm like, you know what? And here here's a lesson to the young kids. For a long time in my radio career, I was incredibly loyal to the company I work for. And then you realize in the end, when they're done with you, they're just going to screw you and throw you out with the garbage. So the lesson to the young people today out there, don't be faithful to the company you work for. Because in the end, they're going to just, they're just going to throw you out with the garbage. Being faithful and loyal to an employer, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, work hard especially if you're trying to get somewhere in your life, but don't ever believe that they'll ever do the right thing. So AF screwed us over so much, and I was so loyal to them, and I was like, just syndicate us. We obviously got something special, and you guys own radio stations. Just syndicate us, and we'll make our homes in Boston. And instead, they're just trying to give us like a $5,000 raise, some ridiculous raise after we just crushed it. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I got to do what I got to do now. And then we blew it up because we had offers in New York. Rest is history. WNEW, and it was owned by CBS Radio, and it was the parent company of Howard Stern. So there was always like a second-class citizen thing with that as well, even though we were crushing it at NEW. But they did pay us well. But they didn't want to syndicate us. And our contracts were up. And I said, look, you know, we really want to be syndicated. Like, I don't know what to tell you. We can't really do that, but we'll give you a, you know, a decent raise to, to stay on doing afternoons in New York. And I said, well, okay, thank you. Because at that point, I, I was talking to Clear Channel. And I said, oh, all right, if that's the best you can do, we're leaving. We're going to go do mornings at uh, Q104, and we're going to go up against Howard Stern. And I remember Ken Stevens just went, up, 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 up. Don't sign anything. Don't sign anything. Give me. Can you give me a couple days? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So then I got on the phone with Super Agent Bob. I go, well, that shook them. They want to try to make a counter offer. And then Bob's like, well, according to the contract, they have the right to to counter any offer you get. I'm like, all right. Either way, that's not bad, right? And I remember being in a hotel suite. As Bob, our super agent who's no longer with us, he had Clear Channel on one phone and he had CBS Radio on the other as they were fighting for our services. And then what happened was I met, I met just me. This is why I'm bitter if you want to know the truth. So me and, uh, not me and Bob, sorry, me and Ken Stevens met at, uh, I forgot the name of the restaurant, but it's on 57th and... 
and 7th Avenue. Yes, yeah, 7th Avenue, a little Italian joint around the corner from the Brooklyn Diner. And we sat there and had dinner, and he was shaking like a leaf. Remember, like it was yesterday with all this paperwork, because I showed him the deal from Clear Channel. Not only were we going to be on at uh, on Q104 in New York, they had us doing mornings all over the country. It was a big fucking deal. And then Ken's like, "Uh, okay, uh, we can match. We can match. Uh, uh, we can. We well, we, well, we we don't want you to, to uh." Uh, well, we can't have you do mornings, so is that okay? I'm like, well, let me let me hear what you have to say, because the match should have been that they put us in mornings, but they had Howard Stern. So they're like, all right, uh, so we're in agreement that if we can match all these markets in afternoon drive, we might have a deal. I'm like, yeah, let me see what you got. And he's like, okay, uh, uh, we can put you on in afternoons in Boston. Of course, you'll stay in afternoons in, in New York. We can put you in afternoons in Philly, and it went on and on and on with every market. And then they're like, uh, it's a little problematic because uh, Washington, we have Don and Mike, and they're number one by far in afternoon drive. And I'm like, okay, you know. Um, but uh, uh, but to make the deal work, the company is willing to uh, uh, put those guys in middays, and, and they'll syndicate them to New York City to make them happy. So I think we got Washington covered. Long story short, they, they covered the Clear Channel deal, market to market, gave us more money than – than Clear Channel, and that's the only reason we got syndicated. Because if you remember, a few minutes ago, I was saying we really want to be syndicated, and they're like, ah, we're, we're not willing to do that at this time. But then I told them that we were going to Clear Channel, and guess what? The door is open. Now Opie and Anthony are syndicated. Hey! So to answer your question, what company treated you the best? I would say the early days of XM when um, Eric Logan was there as our boss. He really understood me and Anthony and what we were capable of doing. And then that asshole, he uh, pulled me aside because we were decent friends. We were good friends, I would say. Even though he was my boss, we were in it together. And I remember he walked over to uh, 57, uh, 50, oh shit, yeah, 57th Street. I'm trying to remember where the, uh, between 6th and 7th, I guess. Yeah. God, why do I have to be so detailed? No one cares. They just want the story. So Eric Logan walks over to the uh, XM studio that we had by ourselves on 57th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue. And he was waiting for me. The show ends. He was waiting for all of us, to be honest. And he goes, guys, I got some, uh, I got some bad news. I'm like, what's up? And he goes, uh, I'm leaving XM. I'm like, what? And then my thought was, all right, if he's leaving XM, he always has my back and the show's back. He's gonna bring us with him. So I was waiting for the next sentence, and the next sentence was, I'm leaving XM, and I'm gonna go work for Oprah Winfrey. And I went. Ah, shit. Because I knew there was no place for the Opie and Anthony show on Oprah's network. And I'm like, oh, this is the end. He goes, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm setting you up nice before I leave. And blah, 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 blah. And that was the beginning of the end, my friends. If you really want to know the truth. The beginning of the end. Because everything fell like dominoes after that. Sirius now completely took control of the Opie and Anthony show. Eric Logan was fighting 
for our best interest, being the guy from XM when the merger happened. So now Sirius XM is in complete control. And then instead of having Eric Logan, I want I, I won't name names, but it was a whole line of dummies that didn't get me and Anthony. And then they decided, you know, uh, your state-of-the-art studio here on 57th Street, that has to go bye-bye. You have to join corporate now in Times Square. We're putting you in a tiny little fucking studio. And they took the whole vibe of the Opie and Anthony show away from us. And then uh, we certainly... We certainly made it work uh, for a few more years after that, but it was never, ever the same. That was so pivotal when, um, when Eric Logan left to go work for Oprah. Oh, that was a shot in the gut. So to answer your question, I would say the early years of XM were probably the best company, even though uh, Hugh Panera with his bad breath hated our guts. But Eric Logan came in and saved the day. Because even, all right, even with that, right? The early days of XM, Hugh Panero, he signs us. And his opening line, I'll say this another hundred times, I don't care. But me and Anthony uh, took a train down to Washington to sign a, a contract with XM. And we're waiting in a conference room. We're kind of excited for this new opportunity. And we haven't done radio in over two years. And Hugh Panero walks in and he says this, this is his opening line. He goes, I'm no Mel Karmazin, and I don't like you guys, but I understand why it's important to sign you to my company, XM. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> and he never liked us. And early on, I'm like, how long is this going to last? The CEO of the company does not like us and doesn't get what we do. Um, but... Eric Logan called me on the phone, and I knew him a little bit uh, at this point, and he goes, uh, oh, congratulations on your deal with XM, and he was all giddy and happy. I'm like, what's up with you, man? Why are you so giddy and happy? He goes, I'll be able to tell you in a week or two, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. He was giddy and happy because he was he was signing on to, uh, to work uh, with XM, and then he pushed Hugh Panero out of the way for the most part, and he took control of us. Thank God, or I, I'll be honest, I don't think... I don't think me and Anthony would have lasted a year in XM because they had us on uh, behind a, a second paywall. So not only did you have to pay for Sirius XM or XM, sorry, not only did you have to pay for XM, then you had to pay a couple extra dollars to listen to us. And for the first year at XM, I think it, it was like that. So it was we weren't talking to a lot of fucking people. And then Eric Logan was like, this is crazy. You got to open up these guys to the entire platform. Thank God he came on board. Or I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know, man. I think. Uh, I think our path would have been much, much different. Look at you, Salem, Paris. That's why I like doing the live streams. By the way, I had nothing today. Nothing. I was making a big deal about my plants because I honestly had nothing. And then uh, Salem comes up with this question, and it just sent me down a road. So thank you, Salem. Give yourself a bell. Yeah, man. Uh, just to yeah, mop up a little bit. Having an audience in the studio is great. And I told Sirius, I'm like, you can't take away this vibe. They were lazy. They didn't want to walk all the way up to 57th Street from, uh, where were we, like 47th Street? They didn't want to walk the 10 blocks to have meetings and such. They said it would just be easier if you join, uh, join us here at, uh, you know, at the studios at Times Square. I'm like, that is the dumbest thing. And then they showed me the space. I'm like, how, 
can you do this to us? We had a state-of-the-art studio with a giant glass wall, and, and the wall would open up, and then we can pull in bleachers so, so uh, our audience could be 10 feet from us as we're doing a radio show. You're taking all that away from us. You can't do this. They didn't see it my way, unfortunately. And then, of course, now you're at, uh, at the corporate facility, and then the, the lawyers really got involved and basically said, you can't do this, 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 and this anymore. A whole laundry list of stuff. And to our credit, uh, we were able to do a nice workaround, but they took away a lot of our bits, a lot of the stuff that was working. Hyper Dude, who are we fighting today? Ooh. Uh, let's fight. Who you want to fight today? I think uh, I want to fight with the people that uh, still want to tell women what to do with their bodies. We could start there. Oh, uh, got to ask, baby diaper mustache, real or not? Real. Just about every bit we ever did on the Opie and Anthony show was real. But I did that bit thinking that there wasn't a chance that there would be a payoff. And then, uh, you know, the guys were working behind the scenes and uh, they got me good. But basically, I would announce every once in a while, like, if you could come in with a baby diaper within the next hour, I'll make a mustache with uh, what's in the diaper. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, you know, an hour goes by like that and no one's around with a baby diaper. But then the, the, the guys got together with Rich Voss. They made sure Rich came in with a baby diaper. And then I casually announced, you know, uh. Uh, next hour, anyone comes in with a baby diaper, I'll make a mustache out of it. And who walks in the door but Rich Voss? So, yes, that thing was as real as it gets. And the guys uh, got me good behind the scenes. So you're saying you would take baby yeah, But here's shit. the beauty, uh, Rich. I what? just surprised people out of nowhere. It turns into baby diaper mustache day. Today happens to be one of those days. And the odds of it actually happening are, are slim. You know, here's the thing, though. I mean, there's so many rules to this thing, you know. The bottom line is you would take baby shit and put it under here. <laughs> yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you make a little mustache with baby shit. Oh! <laughs> ah! Ah! It's clean. Fuck <laughs> <Stop> my audition. <laughs> One, two, three. Do two fingers at a time. Oh, oh God, oh. he's got it on his finger. He's got some, he's smearing, he's got... Oh, no! Oh, I see YouTube sensation right now. That is fucking disgusting. All right, this is close. Uh, Once again, this is called baby diaper mustache. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, one, two, three. Oh! Uh, uh. One, two, three, dude. Obey! Oh, no. He did it! No! He took two fingers! Oh, no. 
wiped it right <laughs> under his nose. Now he can't get the smell out of his head. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! He's got the diaper in his hand. <laughs> Where is he? He's going up. Oh, all right, he's running off the ground. Horrified and just got baby shit smeared all under his nose. I am so disgusted. A new low. A brand new low on the Opie and Anthony show. I didn't think it could be done. When he picked up that diaper and ran around, I'm sure it was going to go on E-Rock's face. Oh, uh, yeah, it should have. <laughs> wow, Voss comes through. Let me tell you something. All right, yeah, Opie, please, describe it for the people. What's it like to smear baby shit under your nose for really nothing? Give me a fucking razor immediately. You need something. No, dude, I can't get out of my mustache. I have never been. I... You want the big baby shit? No, if there's a, I need a razor. I'm not even it's got four. How about the peeps that want to tell the rest of us what to put in our bodies? Men! I think the two things are very, very different. I think the abortion issue in America is uh, an actual law they're trying to, uh, you know, come up with to basically tell women what they can and can't do with their bodies. And then with the vaccination thing, it's not a law. So if you don't want to get the vaccination, you don't have to. That's the that's the big difference between those two things, my friend. Uh, Glenn D. Pedro, Voss ruled on the show, especially that day. Yeah, he... Uh, he definitely had his moments. I just wish he... Ah, whatever. Whatever. Let's just uh, say whatever. Tom uh, Damiano. I saw you on Grocery Games a couple of weeks back. Really awesome and great tribute. I didn't know that was the Carl on your show. You really didn't know? Yeah, that's my buddy Carl. I got to tell you that um, the kid's star has fallen uh, drastically in the last few years. But lately, I get recognized from my dumb appearance on the Grocery Games show uh, where Guy Pietti did the tribute to Carl Ruiz. I've been stopped about, eh, I would say, like five or six times now. And then I'm thinking it's somebody that, you know, knows the Opie and Anthony show or whatever or my radio career. And then it turns out like, wait, I saw you on Guy's Grocery Games. So that's been kind of cool lately. Opie Radio, everything from abortion to dog humping. <laughs> I, I don't understand the guys that get so pissed off when you tweet something like, leave, leave the women alone and stop telling them what to do and not to do with their bodies. And people lose their minds. A few people called me that dumb wokey thing today because I tweeted that. The Supreme Court is going to hear a case. And that could be uh, very, very problematic for the for the women in this country. And, uh, you know, I support the women. I support their right to decide what they want to do with their fucking bodies. Oh, my. What is wrong with that? We all have moms and sisters and girlfriends and wives and cousins, daughters. Why wouldn't you want them to have control of their own bodies? And don't act like you give a crap about human life. Uh, hello, Opie. Why do people say that you aren't funny? Are you funny or not? Of course I'm funny. There's plenty of uh, examples of me being funny all over the internet and all over my podcast, my friend. I think people started that horse shit that were threatened by how goddamn funny I am. I think it's easy to be funny. To be honest with you, it's no big deal. But there are a lot of guys out there, their whole lives depend on 
just being funny and the funniest person in the room. I never thought it was a big deal. The people who think this one planet is the only one in the universe with intelligent life are just really not intelligent. Of course. I think I think there's life all over the universe in all different stages. I think there are planets that are way more advanced than us. I think there are planets that are way behind us. Kind of like think uh, maybe a, a planet just filled with dinosaurs. I believe in all that shit. And I also believe the universe is so vast that I, I don't even know if we'll ever... Uh, you know, run into another another planet that actually has uh, significant life on it. I'm not talking about about teeny weeny life. Who cares about teeny weeny life? I want significant life, and I don't know. I don't think in my lifetime we're going to discover that. Oh, thank you, Ursula Morshead. See, I made Ursula laugh. Do -do 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 -do. All right, I, I'm gonna stroke my own ego. Some of the funniest and, un, and most uncomfortable moments on the show were you're doing, sir. Look at me stroking my own ego. Look at me saying it's no big deal to be funny, and then he's searching out the comments that says that I'm funny. Opie sober as a gopher. Uh, yeah, I mean, my drinking went up a little bit being friends with Carl and Vic Henley, but since their passing, especially Carl's, which is, uh, we're up to, wow, over a year and a half. Yeah, I don't drink as much. Because what you learn as a, as a parent, and a lot of you guys learned this lesson, I actually got it from Club Soda Kenny. Because one day we were talking, you know, he used to be a, a drinker. And then I basically said, uh, well, what happened, Kenny? You know, I, I know you don't drink. In all the years I knew Club Soda Kenny, he, he would humor me and my, uh, you know, my wife and, and have a drink every once in a while. I mean, very, very rare. It was probably, I could count it on one hand. So I asked him, you know, and he goes, uh, kids don't understand hangovers, GH. Uh, let's see, uh, Cynthia, again, one of my, uh, one of my reds. I've had some really shitty days and you and Carl and now you by yourself have helped me make it through the days, like keeping me from swallowing the pills, make it through. Love and appreciate you. Well, that makes uh, me very, very happy. Now, you know what you just did, though, Cynthia? If we fast forward and I find out that you're no longer here and that you swallowed the pills, I'm going to know that I started sucking. So now you have no choice. Now you have to go the distance. Oh, wow. Rock Riley, what was your favorite episode with Carl? Oh, my God. I, I, I could not answer that right now. Uh, I, I mean, every time I got to do an episode with Carl, it was my favorite. I, mean, I like the ones when we were just literally just wandering around and making it up as we go along. And I loved making him uncomfortable because he was such a – Carl was such a street guy. And, and I was able to make him uncomfortable uh, in the streets. That made me very, very happy. <laughs> it's not. Vincent – any episode, uh, Carl was dealing with your social awkwardness. I'm not socially awkward, Jesus. I'm really not. I like making people very uncomfortable, though. And I do that when mics aren't on, by the way. But it was so much fun. I, there were times Carl, under his breath, 
And I think we picked it up on the podcast from time to time. He would go, okay, oh, okay. And he would, he would have this kind of nervous, like, kind of laugh, like, okay, now, that's enough. Okay, let's go. And then he would strong arm me. He would, he would grab my wrist really hard and pull me out of situations. Carl was hands down a funny dude, always missed. Oh, my God. Carl, Carl was uh, funnier than a lot of comics that came through the radio show after, uh, over the years. He was a natural that guy could have been a great stand-up comedian if he if he chose to go down that road. He was so quick and so funny. And his references were second to none. David D., you always talk so fondly of Vic and Carl. Do you find it hard to not feel frustrated that they both died after you seemingly found a new set of people you could do things with? Oh, God. Yeah, it, it, it fucking blows because everyone knows... For many, many years, I wasn't happy with the Opie and Anthony show, or, or I wasn't happy being on it. I knew I wasn't friends with Anthony or Jimmy. And for many years, those guys didn't respect me at all. And uh, and then when that whole thing broke up, I had a chance to reinvent myself. And uh, Carl, Vic, and Sherrod and others, they uh, they brought my confidence back. They were just so much fun to hang out with. There was no drama ever. I don't think I ever had a fight with uh, any of those guys. I can't think of one. More importantly than getting to do the radio show with those guys and having fun with it again, you know, it's all I know. I did radio my entire life. And uh, the reason I started doing radio, because it was not a job and it was just fun and it was ridiculous that you could get paid for just turning on a mic and being a, a goofball. And for many, many years, I lost that, and radio became a job. And then those guys brought it back uh, to the beginning, basically, where the whole thing was just so much fun again. And more importantly than that, we hung out all the time. I mean, there was – I, I could have hung out with them five days a week, but obviously, I, you know, I, I had a young family to get home to. But even with that said, we were, we were just hanging out so much together – uh, after the show, before the show, on weekends. And, uh, you know, I'll cherish their friendships uh, for the rest of my, my life. And uh, to answer your question, David D., I'm, I'm not even close to over it. I'm completely devastated to this day that those guys are gone. I miss doing the podcast with them. But more importantly, I just missed uh, them being my friends. So, uh, oh, you fuck. Baby Killer 138. I mean, it, you know, that was a tough one. That was a tough stretch to uh, lose uh, Carl and Vic within, I think, what, six months. Just imagine, for real, imagine this. Now, do I have uh, uh, older and closer friends in my life? A hundred percent. You know, friends that I go way, way, way back with, like, uh, like Jeff and Fred also known as Buzzy and Stork, of course. But day-to-day, -day, th those two guys were my number one and my number two at this stage of my life. I, I, I wouldn't go a day or two without talking to those guys on the phone if we weren't doing the radio show and hanging out with them. So just imagine this. In your life, just imagine who your number one and your number two is in your life right now. Just imagine losing both of those people within a six-month period. I know it sounds like woe is me, but it, it's been tough. I'm not going to lie to you, man.
Sanctuary of Geeks. Do you wish you could have done Opie and Carl and never Opie and Anthony? You regret O and A. Wow, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. That question will be all over the internet if I fucking answer it. I'll I'll be honest. I have many days now that I I I really wish. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. I was uh, legitimately heartbroken when they died, and was heartbroken for you. I refuse to to mourn Vic Henley's death because I just can't do it. I'm still mourning, I'm still mourning Carl's death, and I was uh, really, really leaning on Vic, and Vic was leaning on me to get through, uh, you know, the death of Carl. And then uh, I remember, I, I remember getting a phone call. I think it was Sherrod. It might have been Judd, Judd Jones. No, both of those guys called, but I'm not sure which one called me first. It was right at the beginning of the, the pandemic. It was like April, late March, early April. And then uh, they basically said there's something really wrong with Vic. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I thought it'd be some who gives a fuck thing that he would get through. And I I, I just couldn't believe it. I still need a, a really good cry over Vic's death, to be completely honest with you. I have, I have really pushed it down. Maybe it's a, a bit unhealthy, but I've really pushed it down. I especially enjoyed Vic when you guys had Sasha Baron Cohen on. That was a great reveal. So Sasha Baron Cohen was on. Uh, I forgot what movie he was promoting. And then um, Vic goes to Sasha Baron Cohen. He goes, hey, I was the ring announcer in Bruno. And Sasha Baron Cohen looks over to Vic Henley and recognizes him immediately at that point. I bet you Sasha just came in and was like, oh, I got another show to do. But then when he realized that was Vic from uh, from Bruno, Vic was in uh, the ring announcer, Sasha Baron Cohen lit up. And then they told a great behind-the-scenes story of that scene, one of the last scenes of Bruno, I guess. And uh, I remember after his appearance, Sasha stuck around a little bit just to kind of talk to Vic a little more. He... He was general, generally, uh, generally, excuse me, uh, happy to see Vic that day. You know, uh, I do have to start with this. Vic Henley was in Bruno. We oh were... yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. We were in our, we were in Arkansas for five days. Oh my god, you were the. Announcer. I'm the ring announcer, yeah, and we did the straight Dave stuff. I was. Oh my I was, god, I was, of course. I haven't seen you in eight years since Arkansas. Oh my god. So wait a minute. The last time I saw you, there was a riot. Yes, correct, Mundo, that you started, and I helped with. <laughs> he and was, I helped. So did you get stuck in the stadium? So, uh, but, yes, I did. I so went basically, back. for people who don't know, we did this movie called Bruno. At the end, there's a cage fight in Arkansas, <laughs> real cage fight. 2,000 people in the audience. Correct. Vic is the announcer. I make love to my boyfriend yes. in the ring. <laughs> and then a riot started. All I hell did, broke loose. I left. What happened? You had a special like tunnel built. Wait, you guys never talked what happened after he left? No, he I never saw him again. You never saw him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to the premiere. I got invited to the premiere and I yeah. got a corporate. I got a corporate event. That, that makes ah, me and Javi so happy the that he never saw you again. And you just left? Like you were just no, like, no, no. out so of here? This is what happened. So basically, it... Uh, I, we built an enforced tunnel, an escape tunnel in this ring. So, so we've got a ring, uh -huh. you know, the hexagon, you know, for people who don't know Ultimate mm. Fighting. Yeah. And the only way to get me out of there without me getting beaten. To Having to go through the door, through the without crowd. Being, without being hate-crimed. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, there were 2,000 people who yeah. wanted to beat 
beat yeah. me badly, basically. The first two rows were prison guards, and some of them are even crying. They're yeah. crying. They were prison, they, they prison guards. They were prison guards, and then the prison guards brought people who were on parole. There were people with swastikas on their yeah. foreheads. And they wanted, yeah, so the only way I could get out of their life was we built a tunnel which was enforced because we knew that people would run alongside and they did, trying to smash into the tunnel. Oh my God. And at the end of the tunnel was a car waiting with, the, it was on with the door open and I run in and then it zooms off. And that was the last time I saw you. Yeah. So what happened? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's so like you're alive. I should, you know what? I should have really called. <laughs> 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 Larry Charles Larry Charles was the director and, and it, they don't know I'm not in on they, they don't know that I'm in on it that right. I'm working with them and they, they just like think sound I, like they us. just think I'm the exactly yeah. and I played that card a couple of times I'm like you think I knew this was gonna happen oh. <laughs> and they're screaming and yelling and it, it got hit with anything there was not no there was not enough security there it was kind of getting out of hand and so Larry Charles goes what are you how are we gonna stop this and everybody I'm like turn my mic back on I'll go back in the ring oh, I'll, the I'll, crowd I'll, work. I, I, well I'm a comic and we yeah. this is what we fucking do so we yeah. can and, and no, they, that's you not deal what we with do. riots. We don't deal with a hate crime riot. Yeah. yeah. You right. deal with swastika rednecks. <laughs> At best, you quit. have a heckler. You don't deal with <laughs> escape convicts. I walked back in the ring and turned the mic on and told them all and started saying, you know, you got your 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 girlfriends are here, your significant others. We yeah. can't act like this. He's already gone. <laughs> but, you know, I Elvis suggest- has left the building. I said everything and they fucking put I everything down and calmly. Really you should have just been like, roll a Bob and Tom yeah, clip. Were, Make them go to sleep. They were throwing metal chairs. Like I knew it was going to get dangerous because we did it the night before. Do you yeah, remember? We, we were did. in Texarkana. Oh yeah, and then we went to Fort Smith. I'm we're sorry. in Texarkana, and you know, I had like security guards there because we knew it was dangerous. I interviewed nine different heads of security going, okay, this is your challenge. I'm going to make love to this guy. <laughs> we're almost going to have sex in Arkansas with 2,000 people around. How do you get me out without me going to hospital? And eight of them said, no way, you're going to hospital. You're going to hospital. And, <laughs> and we had one guy, he'd just come back from Afghanistan. He was looking after Karzai. Yeah. And he goes, tunnel. And I was like, okay, you got the job. Damn. You know. And so we're there. And basically, what I was told was by the lawyer, mm. because it was all legally very dubious, that there were about 15 things I couldn't contravene. And the most important one, one was... I was not allowed to incite a riot. So I could not challenge anyone to do anything violent. Because if you cross a state line to incite a riot, it's a, federal, it's a federal <clears throat> offense, uh, sure. imprisonable by, I think, a minimum of three years. That, that's what the Chicago 7 were up for. And your work visa would not would get taken, right? If yeah, was that's problem. right. No and I'd be in jail for three years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically, so anyway, what I've got a problem, which is when I'm in character and things go wrong, I sometimes do stupid things. So... My boyfriend in the movie comes in, not my boyfriend in real life, he's a great guy. Hi, how are you, Brian? <laughs> and, uh, he comes into the ring and we have a fight and we've choreographed this fight. He's got fake blood and everything and the crowd buy it, but I hit him first and I'm bigger than him and the crowd stopped booing me and I just turned to the crowd. I go, okay, come on, you're back. I said some, I won't use the words, but come on, you you know, yeah, yeah. Said, yeah. come here, you know, I'll beat the... I beat the living daylights out of any of you weak guys. You know, I'm obviously making the language a bit sure. You softer. Can you can curse. I, oh, you can. Yes. yes. All right. So I'm like, come on, you fuckers! I beat the <laughs> shit out of you. <laughs> and you know, I've been guaranteed by the security. No one. They're like, sir, no one is getting in that ring. It will take five minutes to get in. Anyway, I see this massive guy get up. He's like, you know, two sixty pounds, but muscle, <laughs> and he's like six eight, and he starts running towards the cage. And I'm like. I'm fine. The security are going to stop him. Save me. He runs. 
and I see the security are in a totally different part of the stadium <laughs> with some of these ex-cons who are like, you know, ex-cons are in a yeah. place. They're going to yeah. fight each yeah, other. Of course. The security decide it's their job to stop the fight. And I see this guy, he grabs one hand on the cage, another hand on the top of the cage, and does a flip and lands inside the cage. Oh, oh my wow. God. And he's yeah. huge, and yeah. he's an ultimate fighter. Oh, my God. And he's like, Rawr! And I think, <laughs> Jesus. And, I, and so I jumped through the trap door. Oh, is that what finally got you out? Yeah, no, yeah, so I jumped through the, this is the first night in Texarkana. By the way, Texarkana is famous for one thing. They took a African-American man and dragged him behind a pickup truck until he died. That's what yeah. they're famous for. I think for. I told you that story, yeah, maybe. It, I yes, don't know. Yes, yes. That's right. It's on their currency. The, yeah, exactly. It's awful. It's, yeah, it's the Piney Woods that's out there in East they're Texas. That's yeah. Brutal. So yeah. basically, I get in the tunnel, and we've got this reinforced tunnel, and my co-writer, I don't know if you remember, the bald guy, Ant Hines, yeah, yeah, yeah. he says, Sasha, get out there right now. And I go, I go, what are you doing? And I'm still in character. I go, what are you talking about? They're going to kill me. <laughs> Uh, there's a guy outside who's going to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> he goes, Sasha, go out there, kiss your boyfriend, and then the movie is done. We've been working on this a year. Finish the movie. you got to get back in that octagon and, and so kiss gotta, that man. Yeah, exactly. And anyway, <laughs> now they're throwing in these metal chairs. Yep. Oh, my God. And I've got a security guard there, this guy who'd worked in, in with Karzai. And I go, all right, this is the deal. I go, if he tells me I can go in there without going to hospital, I'll do it. And so the security guard pokes his head in. He goes, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, don't regret the old days. Oh, remember the good days. And just know you can only change the future. The past is done. Let Ant go off on his rants. Concentrate on your own peace of mind. I sleep much better at night now, knowing that I was able to have one more shot at a radio show with guys that I really was respected and wanted to be around and just laughed our asses off with. And that makes it a lot easier to... To, uh, to stomach. And someday, you know, I, I really hope I can really look back at the OA years fondly. But I, uh, there's, a, there's just too much bitterness. Some people go, you're bitter, Ope. I'm like, yeah, I am bitter. I am bitter for a lot of reasons that I've been peppering in lately. Yeah, I'm bitter. I just got Bitcoin. Yes. I got a five. How do you say that in Bitcoin? A fiver? Is that a fiver? I got a Bitcoin fiver from Odair. I got to get a crypto, uh, a crypto wallet uh, uh, NFT thing, and then uh, and then somehow I'll transfer my cryptocurrency into my uh, uh, my bank account so I could pay my my mobile phone charge. Coinbase is a good wallet. I don't. I, I got a good wallet. <laughs> I'm not even trying to make jokes. I, tr I I read so many articles on Bitcoin and NFTs and cryptocurrencies, and I'm like, my brain just exploded. I don't get it. I'd be willing to drop uh, cash on a paywall if you put a show together. Well, that goes with the Vic Henley thing. So it was really tough to move on from Carl. And uh, then we were getting the podcast back together. Started using Judd Jones more. And uh, I was getting a bunch of my, you know, my kind of friends on. I'm talking about the comedians. And it was going well. And then Vic passed. And then I kind of... Uh, 
then I kind of closed back in, to be honest with you, and I like blew off having people on my podcast. So now I think I'm ready to try to open that up once again. But as far as putting a uh, like a, a smooth, structured show together, I'm, I'm honestly not there. I like just live streaming, having fun with this, cutting it up and make it into uh, uh, episodes of the podcast. And then we'll see what happens in the coming months. I'm going to start trying to get some some people back on this thing. But after Vic, I was like, ah, I just shut down again.